But what we'll talk about today is faithfulness. When we think about faithfulness, we, or at least I think about how God is faithful as the song proclaimed as we partake of communion. Uh, scars and struggles all the way, but with joy my heart will say, you are faithful. God, you are faithful. God is the model of faithfulness for us. When Christians are told how we're supposed to behave, when the Apostle Paul describes what that fruit is supposed to look like, that evidence of God in my life, um, when Paul talks about in Galatians chapter 3, he lists this attribute of faithfulness in that category of the fruit of the Spirit, love and joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, gentleness, faithfulness, self-control. So for us, we're called to be like Jesus and to reflect him to the world that's around us. And in that, we are called to be faithful. We're to be faithful as God is faithful to us. Even when we're undeserving, God's faithfulness doesn't waver and it doesn't change. Reading from uh, Proverbs chapter 3, starting in verse 1. My son, do not forget my teaching, but let your heart keep my commandments. For length of days and years of life and peace they will add to you. Let not steadfast love and faithfulness forsake you. Bind them around your neck and write them on the tablet of your heart, so you will find favor and good success in the sight of God and man. Trust in the Lord with all your heart, and do not lean on your own understanding. In all your ways acknowledge him, and he will make straight your paths. Be not wise in your own eyes. Fear the Lord and turn away from evil. It will be healing to your flesh and refreshment to your bones. Will you pray with me? Father, as we talk about you and we talk about your word and we talk about how that's supposed to change us and inspire us and equip us, God, today as we talk about faithfulness, may we be um, filled with awe for how faithful you are to us. And God, may we be encouraged and challenged to reflect that faithfulness in our life so that others can see. God, every person alive deserves the chance to have the gospel explained to them and shown to them. God, I pray that we take that call seriously and that we do that and we are faithful as the church to take your message out into the world. God, we love you. Be with our time now as we talk about you more. In the name of Jesus, I ask all these things. Amen. When we talk about somebody that's faithful, uh, we would talk about someone whose character we think that we could rely on. Someone that's going to be there regardless of the circumstances that are around us. So much so that William Barclay in his commentary on Galatians, um, when he's talking about faithfulness and faith, he said this word is common in the Greek language for trustworthiness, for trustworthiness. It's the characteristic of a man who is reliable. So when we talk about faithfulness, it's the characteristic of a person that is reliable. We know that God is reliable. He is trustworthy. I can depend on him, and God's not going to let me down. Now, the problem comes sometimes in life, my view of God is skewed. How I, what I think about God and what he should do and how he operates falls short of who God really is. And it's in those moments of my life that I might view God as being less than trustworthy or less than faithful. 
But that's not on God, that's on me. And maybe you've been there before. But what God tells us is that he is faithful and that he is never changing. And that we can rely on him. So what I've found to be true in my life, when I find that there's a flaw in God, or at least I think there is, it's not him, it's the lenses through which I'm looking at God. And I've got to make sure that I'm spending more time in his word with his people and with his spirit so that I can better understand who God is and to kind of to fix those shortcomings when it comes to my understanding of God. Because I've got to believe that his word is true because God told me that it is. It is. My faith in what I believe is rooted in how God chose to communicate to us as the church. He did that through words. He did that through the words of Paul as he taught and preached and traveled around and helped start churches and he discipled people. He did that through Jesus and through Jesus' life and through his parables and his stories and his investment in the relationships with his disciples so that the church could be started and carry on through them. And God did that through words. Now, he did that through words that were backed up with actions because we all know that words that have no actions to go behind them are meaningless and we're just wasting our breath because our behavior is what is the true indication of our values and what we believe. But what God does through the words of his son and through the word that he's given us in his Bible, he told us what is right and what is wrong. That God told us about himself, about who he is, about what he does, and about what he would never do. So I have to believe that his word is trustworthy and that I have to believe that all of God's word is trustworthy because if I start deleting parts that I don't like, well, then the whole thing would come crumbling down, at least from how I would uh, espouse to believe it. So God's word tells me that he is faithful, that he is trustworthy. And it also puts this um, declaration on us, on you, on me as the church that we are too to be faithful to God and to others. This faithfulness that's a characteristic of God is displayed in Psalm chapter 35, actually Psalm 36, 5. The psalmist declares, your love, Lord, reaches to the heavens. Your faithfulness reaches to the skies. God's faithfulness doesn't end. It doesn't fall short. And in a world where often faithfulness isn't displayed like it should be. We catch glimpses of that and it warms our hearts because we go, that's how it should be. That's what life should look like in so many different areas of life. One such example of a story of a couple that kind of it went very popular in a couple years ago, so much so that now it's got two and a half million views online. And I want to share that story with you, but I'll let you know a little bit about them first. It's the story of Bill and Glad Forward. Um, the video tells the story of how they met more than 50 years ago, and they met because Bill was friends with Glad's older brother, and he met her, and he saw her, and they just, that's who he was going to spend the rest of his life with. He figured that out later. Like many couples in their life, they faced ups and downs. They had good times, and they had bad times, but they had made promises to be faithful to one another and to take care of one another no matter what happened in life. One of the things that Bill and Glad loved so much were bicycles. Everywhere they went, wherever they lived, they made sure that they had a bicycle that they could go around and ride their bikes together. And when they had kids, they fashioned seats that you could put on the bicycles so that they could still ride their bikes wherever they were and wherever they wanted to go. That was just a very important part of their life and what they were going to do. They spent a lot of their life helping um, lepers and orphans in Romania and India. 
they can tell the story a little bit better than I can. As I said, I apologize. It's going to be dim, but you can hear them narrate what's going on in their life. But watch and listen here. We'll turn the lights off to the story of Bill and Glad. I don't count it a burden, whatever, to have to care for her. I, I need to do everything. From the moment she gets up to the moment she goes to bed, I do absolutely everything. Um, clean her teeth, uh, shower, dress, everything. And, um, but it's, it's a privilege. I count it a great privilege to, to care for this one that I've loved all of these years and continue to love. This is the year when we'll celebrate our 50th wedding anniversary. Our stories have been a, a lovely story. I first saw her when she was eight years old and her brother became my best friend. We grew up together and as we grew up, yeah, she was there. And I knew that she used to stare at me when I was playing footy with, my, with her brother and uh, another friend and when we used to ride bikes and she kept staring at me, but I wasn't interested. I was 17, she was 16. I saw her dolled up, dressed up, and she had an A-line dress on, and boom, it was gone. I was, uh, she was the one for me then, absolutely. <laughs> when we first started uh, dating, I used to ride my bike from where I lived to where she was, and that was about five kilometres on a Saturday afternoon because it was the only chance we had to get together. And uh, it was hair wash day for her, and she used a special cream in her hair for a shampoo. And I can still smell it, because that smell was so particular, so nice. It was just absolutely special. We had a bike. I used to ride everywhere on my bike, and then Glad had a bike as well. And we put a, a baby chair on the front of her bike, and so we carried our babies around on the bike with her as well. So, yeah, bike's been part of our lives, and I guess that has something to do with us now. Around about 2004-05, I began to notice um, that there were things going wrong. She was finally diagnosed with uh, the horrible disease of Alzheimer's. Having lived overseas, I knew that with a bike you can do lots of things. So I had a bike made, a bike chair made. We take it to the beach and ride along beside the beach. And as we do that, we see lots of people. A lot of people come talk to us because it's a, a unique thing. Nobody else has got a bike chair quite like that way. I am determined to care for her every need, every need. You see, God has loved us so unconditionally. And I understand that God has put his love in my heart. And because I realize how much God has loved me, that's how I too can love my lovely wife. She has done so much for me over all of these years. Now she can't, but I can, and I can return her love. Uh, and it's a love that, uh, well, to me, means I can do everything for her. She's my princess. I'm her William, and I wouldn't <laughs> have it any other way. Would you have it any other way? No, no, no. no not at all. We love each other. I partially decided as the video started to play, I don't want to talk about this anymore. Um, faithfulness is not a one-time event. 
not. It's a lifetime of steady reliability. Could you notice the crown on her, on her uh, helmet? I don't know if you could see that. Um, you know, it's nice when you can tell stories that way, and the story of faithfulness is, it, it plays out so many different ways, and, and we've been affected in, in different ways, and sometimes stories are, are very personal in how they, they hit you. Um, but I like the way that he said, I don't count it a burden whatsoever. Um, it's a privilege to care for the one I love for all these years faithfulness. God's faithfulness to us is not a one-time event. It's um, throughout our lives. There's another story I'll, I'll share with you, um, and then maybe another one. I, um, but uh, Robertson McQuilkin was a president of uh, Columbia Bible College, and he embraced and embodied the biblical definition of faithfulness. The story was uh, touched upon in the adult Sunday school lesson, but it's too good not to talk about at least a little bit again. Robert noticed as he was president of Columbia Bible College in 1990, he realized he needed to focus his care and attention to his wife, Muriel, who'd suffered from early-onset Alzheimer's. Here's an excerpt from a letter that he wrote to his college and his con constituencies. After many years of adapting and trying to make things work, Robert wrote this to his college. As the president, he said, recently it has become apparent that Muriel is contented most of the time when she is with me and almost none of the time when I'm away from her. It's not just discontent. She's filled with fear, even terror, that she has lost me and always goes in search of me when I leave home. So it is clear to me that she needs me now full time. The decision was made in a way 42 years ago when I promised to care for Muriel in sickness and in death till death do his part. And I told the students and faculty, as a man of my word, integrity had something to do with it. But so does fairness. She cared for me fully and sacrificially all these years. I cared for her the next 40. I would not be out of her debt. He says, duty, however, can be grim and stoic. But there is more. I love Muriel. She is a delight to me. Her childlike dependence and confidence in me, her warm love, and occasional flashes of that wit I used to relish so. Her happy spirit and her tough resilience in the face of her continual distressing frustration. I don't have to care for her. I get to. It's the high honor to care for a wonderful person. Modern day inspirations of people who want to care for others. I thought if I kept standing up there, I'd be further away. You know, you can't hide stuff when it um, affects you. It's okay. It's okay. I'm telling you guys, I'm telling you too. I don't, we don't know what life will bring. I watched my dad care for his mom with Alzheimer's. And it's genetic. Can be. We don't know. The dad may get it. He may not. I know that's one of dad's fears. If he does, is God any less faithful?
it's easy to show up and pretend like everything's okay. Even when in the big picture we know that it is, and we can't control what's going to happen. Um, we can't. We want to, but we can't, but God can. And even, it doesn't matter what happens, I know that God is, is faithful in how he deals with us. So faithfulness for us as Christians is to be a priority. It's to be a priority, period. Because God is faithful, and he has called us to be faithful to him. Whether we're alone or whether we're in a crowd, we're called to be people of integrity and faithfulness to God and to his word and to his church and what he's called for us to do. If we really want to influence people for Jesus, to add their name to the book of the, uh, the Lamb's book of life, we're going to have to be faithful and be willing to trust God and what he's calling for us to do, even if it's different, even if it doesn't make sense, even if it scares us. We have to know that God is bigger and God will call us to do so much more than ever we thought or asked or imagined or dreamed. Faithfulness becomes a lifestyle for us. I want to give you a word, several, or at least one example here, a word of encouragement. If you have your bulletin and you turn around and you look to the back underneath the announcements, is that there's a, a section in there where we're keeping track of some numbers and some things that are going on with the church. Numbers are only important because numbers represent a person. Numbers represent someone who Jesus went to die on the cross for, so that's why we want to reach as many people as possible with the life-changing message of Jesus. So what you'll see on there is our average attendance on Sunday morning, year to day, and what happened last Sunday, so we kind of know what's going on. What you'll also see listed underneath there is our giving for last month, and then the budgeted about how much we need per month to maintain our budget. Now, we as a church and a leadership made a decision to take a step of faith that we're going to move forward when we made some decisions about how we're going to use our finances, how we're going to fund a second staff member, how we're going to have somebody come on. And long term, our goal is to continue to grow, to sustain that, to be self-sustaining because that's kind of how life works, right? Or at least it's supposed to be. You're only supposed to spend how much you bring in, sometimes even less, I hear, right? But if you look, yeah, okay, we can laugh sometimes, okay. But I want to say thank you for being faithful to the church and thank you for giving. Now, another one of the technical things, last Sunday was a five Sundays in the month, so there was an extra Sunday or whichever. But as a general whole, we're, we're bringing in, more or less, a little bit more than what we're spending. So I want to say thank you to you. And that's something that we can celebrate, something that we can be excited about, that we are, are giving to God and to his church, because it's not just about money, but it's about how we can impact lives because of that. And you're going to see that line in the bottom of the bulletin, just so that we know, hey, what's going on with our giving and our finances, and how are we being good stewards of what God has entrusted to us? And then for you as, as church members, that you can see how we as the church are being good stewards, or are we being faithful in what's been entrusted to the church to manage that well, so that we can go out and that we can reach other people for Jesus, and that we can take those that already know Jesus and that they can be encouraged. So I just want to say, good job, but let's keep going because the task is always before us. There's always more that God is calling for us to do and more that he wants for us to accomplish. I'll share with you a couple quotations from a few other Christian leaders. Bill Bright, who's the founder of Campus Crusade, he said, God has placed in our trust a measure of time, a unique set of talents, and sufficient resources to carry out his will for each of our lives. Our task as faithful stewards is to manage those blessings in order to bring the maximum glory to his name. Another preacher and writer, Warren Wearsby, said this. He said the church is always one generation short of extinction. 
If our generation fails to guard the truth and entrust it to our children, that then will be the end. When you think of the saints and martyrs who suffered and died so that we might have God's truth, it makes you want to take your place in God's army and be faithful unto death. Now we can say that and it encourages us because if not me, then who? If not us, then who's going to pass on our faith to the generation that's coming up right next to us? Or those that are a part of my generation that don't know Jesus yet. But what I do know to be true is that there is, Jesus tells us that his church will not be defeated, period. It won't. It will always be there and it will always exist. But think about the influence that we would have in a negative way if we choose not to invest in those that are around us, if we're not faithful to God and his calling and his word, so that we, as a church, are actively living out what God has called for us to do so that we can make more disciples and better disciples by any means necessary so that more people are included in God's kingdom. One more story in a passage of scripture from Lamentations chapter 3. If you want to follow along, I'll give you a little headway before I get to it. Lamentations chapter 3, I'm going to start in verse 19 or so. But before I read that, another story. In a book entitled Jungle Harvest, written by a missionary named Ruby Scott, she describes her experiences in reaching a group of people known as the Tila Indians who live in a south in a village in the jungles of South Mexico just north of the Guatemalan border. As Ruby and her colleagues learned the language, they translated the message of the Bible in order to give the people the scriptures in their own tongue. They recorded it onto record so that they could take it around and they could wind it up and they could play the records and that people would be able to hear the gospel proclaimed in their own language. And they were astonished at this. One of the who heard the message was a witch doctor named Domingo. He was in his mid-50s and illiterate. When he learned about Christ, he turned away from his old life as a witch doctor and became converted. He instantly became burdened for his old friends, and he wanted to go back to them and to share the message of Jesus with them, with the other witch doctors. One day, he decided to take the message with them. He borrowed one of the portable record players and grabbed the records with the gospel recorded in their own language and took it to them. His friends were ecstatic to see him. They were so happy to see Domingo again. They laughed and talked and reminisced about the good old days. When Domingo opened up the record player, they watched him again with great curiosity, and they, and they began listening. And after some of the scriptures were played, Domingo told them what God had done in his life, how God had taken his life and had transformed it and had turned it around, and that God could do that for them if they were willing to listen and to soften their hearts and to follow after the message of Jesus. He shared his own testimony with them, and he preached the gospel to them as well as he could. They were angry and skeptical, and they said, how could you? You had all the power and the authority and everything that goes along with being a witch doctor. We're revered. We're looked up to. It doesn't get any better than this. And Domingo says, yes, it does. They argued with him, and they threatened him. They said, how could you turn your back on the gods that gave you this power? Domingo was calm, and he kept preaching Jesus to them. Finally, he grabbed, they grabbed their machetes, and they ordered him to leave. Domingo hastily closed that portable record player, and he started walking away. With the machine on his back, he started down the trail, and then he stopped, and he turned back around, and he was just burdened for them, and he kept sharing Jesus with them. One of the witch doctors grabbed his machete and pulled it out, and as he did that, Domingo grabbed a hold of the record player that he had, and he lost three of his fingers. 
That was it. He turned around and went back to the village. He wrapped his hand along the way. Then he trudged home. Two days later, Ruby Scott was dressing the stumps of his fingers. This missionary was. She coaxed him to tell her the stories exactly as it happened. He told this story, and after a long pause, he looked at, the, looked at her, and he said these words. He says, those poor men, God's message just didn't grab their heart. I have to go back and tell them. In her book, Ruby wrote that she stayed awake for a long time that night. And got down on her knees and cried out to God and prayed to him for what Domingo would do as he went back and how those witch doctors would respond. Would it be more violent or less or about the same? I just couldn't quiet those words down. She said, I have to go back and tell him again. I have to go back and tell him again. She said, I turned over, struggled on my knees, and then in the cramped confides, underneath my mosquito net, I rededicated my life to the Lord. I asked him to make me as faithful a missionary as this humble, illiterate, former doctor. Lamentations chapter 3, verse Remember my affliction and my wandering, the warm word, word, wormwood and the gall. My soul continually remembers it and is bowed down within me. But this I call to mind and therefore have hope. The steadfast love of the Lord never ceases. His mercies never come to an end. They are new every morning. Great is your faithfulness. The Lord is my portion, says my soul. Therefore, I will hope in him. The Lord is good to those who wait for him, to the soul who seeks him. It is good that one should wait quietly for the salvation of the Lord. It is good for a man that he bear the yoke in his youth. Verse 22, the steadfast love of the Lord never ceases. His mercies never come to an end. They are new every morning, and great is your faithfulness. The Lord is my portion, says my soul. Therefore, I will hope in him. Great is thy faithfulness, O God, my Father. There is no shadow of turning with thee. It's not about my, not singing in that song about my faithfulness. Singing about the faithfulness of God. Because of that, the challenge, how I am called, how we are called, how you are called, to be faithful to God and his word and the church. To be faithful to serve, to be faithful to, to be here, to be faithful to give, to be faithful to your family, to be faithful to, to be good stewards of what God has entrusted you in your life, of what you have worked hard for, knowing that all good gifts come from the Father above. To be faithful. To be someone who can be trusted. Someone who can be relied on. This world needs more people who can be relied on. Not because of their own merit, but because of their following after someone who is greater than they. Faithfulness. Faithfulness. We're called to be faithful. 
to God and to his church. May we continue to be faithful. May God call us towards faithfulness so that when we sing about songs of God's great, great faithfulness, they inspire us and they encourage us along the way, knowing that God is faithful. And ever I come across the time in my life where I think otherwise, I kick myself in the tail and I remind myself, say, Joel, you know better. God is faithful. And that's hard. But it's true. And it sounds kind of simple. Some of the best things in life are pretty simple. But it doesn't mean that it's easy. And may we be faithful with what the time, with everything that God has entrusted to us. Will you pray with me? God, your love reaches to the heavens and it stretches to the skies. And it's like a mighty mountain, God. It is always there before us. Just sometimes we choose to close our eyes, to look away. When that happens, that we, and God, we look to you. We look to you because that's where our help comes from. It's easy for us to look for help in other places, and that might work for a season, God, but if we're not following after you, that's always going to fail, and it's going to let us down. Maybe not today or tomorrow, but God, it's just, if it's not you, it's not worth it. God, may we be faithful to your word and to the calling that you've put on our life. God, help us to understand your word. God, when we come to worship, may we not be distracted. And may we give you the attention that you're due. God, may it never be about me or us, but always about you. God, put our hearts in the right place. And then put our hands in the right place so that we can do your work. Father, no greater task sits before us. God, you are, are faithful. But we never once walked alone. And for that, God, we praise you. In the name of Jesus, I, I pray and I ask all of these things. Amen.